What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another Serious Angler podcast. As always, I'm your host, Bailey Eichbrett, and joined with me is the captain, Andy Full. What's going what, on, buddy? What's up, dude? How's the Midwest? Oh, it's it's all right. I literally just stepped foot in Oklahoma literally like 25, 30 minutes ago. Uh, rushed to the hotel. Uber did a fine job. Can't, can't, can't complain. But we're here right now, and I'm seeing up in the upper right corner that uh, our YouTube is not going. So let me actually get this figured out here. But Andy, for the folks, how was your guide trip today, dude? Um, Well, it started off cold. Let's see here. When we got on the water this morning, it was 27 degrees, and it's been like 50 to 70 here just about every day. So it's interesting. But um, we walked like seven, eight miles, and it took us four hours for the first fish to bite, but we had to wait for the sun to come out, and I got to about 50, and basically all hell broke loose for like the last two and a half, three hours of the trip, walking back to the car. Basically, every hole we stopped in, we hooked two or three. Well, my client hooked two or three. So it was uh, it was a good time. Uh, how was your flight? Uh, I mean, I just love flying out of Buffalo where there's no direct flights whatsoever. And it makes me just do a whole detour my entire day. <laughs> it's an absolute riot. I, I highly recommend it. <laughs> yeah. No, so- it, it wasn't. It wasn't bad, dude. I'm here down uh, down here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And uh, sidebar here, I think we got the YouTube going. Um, I got some folks waiting in the other stream. So I got that figured out here, whole stream yard dilemma. But uh, no, dude, I'm down here in Tulsa, Oklahoma for Major League Fishing Red Crest. I get to work for the week. So I'm here until Monday morning when I fly back home, which uh, is a big bummer. Uh, not in terms of that I'm here for Red Crest because I'm actually genuinely excited for Red Crest. But uh more of a bummer because all of our lakes opened and that's like the most fun is when as soon as these things open and figures I'm gone for the week that it's like going to be just uh, a smackdown. I mean, not that it won't be when I'm home, but I just have serious FOMO right now that when I'm like, I might have to just not be on social media at all this week because I'm going to see people posting giants. Uh, So yeah, not, (laughs) not looking forward to, to that part. Um, But either way, uh, I'm looking forward to this week, so I'm going to keep my mind in Oklahoma, not at home with the lakes that people are catching giant largemouth and smallmouth, and then we'll have our turn. You don't have to worry about me because I don't even have my boat yet. So, yeah. Scrub. Well, yeah, <laughs> that, that's a whole nother dilemma. I definitely have to go get that next week. So, and get it ready to go. Yeah. Well, buddy, I am excited for tonight's show because, one, I'm jealous you got to actually see him at the Classic and say hello. Unfortunately, I did not get to say hello to him. But tonight, uh, I got the opportunity to, and we got him here on the show. So let's bring him in. Mr. Jake Whitaker, what's going on, dude? What's happening, guys? I appreciate you guys having me on. And and just like you mentioned, I did not get to see you at the Classic, unfortunately. But uh, got to see Andrew and um, and got to see a lot of other people at the Classic as well. So. Uh, did not qualify to fish it, which is unfortunate, but uh, that's part of it. And I did enjoy seeing a lot of people at the class. Yeah. yeah, very unfortunate because I feel like Hartwell would have set up for you the way you like to fish. So yeah, it, it very much would have. And and out of probably all the lakes in the southeast, I probably have more time on the water on Hartwell than than any other lakes. But you know, with that being said, the, the you know the classic is is always just a really cool event to, you know, it's a, it's a great, 
great thing to fish in it. And, you know, I will always, you know, do my best to try to be in them, you know, as far as fishing it. But it really was cool to see, you know, how busy the expo was. And and I got to go to the to the weigh in on the last day and, and saw Jason, uh, you know, pick, hold the trophy there. So it, it really was kind of cool to take a step back and, and be a fan again uh, at the Classic. So uh, I don't want to ever, you know, be out of it again, but it, it was cool to experience. Yeah. It, I still can't get over how many people actually walked through there those three days. Yeah, man, it, it, it truly was wild. And I, I kind of bounced around a couple different booths. And, you know, each day, you know, we would be talking to people. I was like, man, it, this is busy for a Friday. And yeah, it comes out like that was the biggest, you know, the busiest Friday on record. And then, you know, Saturday, man, this is, you know, a lot of people here. And then Sunday and then. Obviously, they had, they announced uh, at the weigh-in on Sunday that it was that had broken the record for attendance again. So, um, and if anybody was there, that would you know that's nothing you know to 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 realize that that really truly was a, a an attendance record. So, um, I think it's awesome for the classic for bass and uh, you know for the whole fishing industry to have you know a great turnout like that there in Greenville. Yeah. Well, one thing you can say is that the sport is still growing, which is For crazy sure. to think about. And it's awesome at the same time. For sure. And, you know, I, I, I saw, a, you know, an array of people at the Classic Expo, whether it was, you know, your your older generation of people, your older fishermen to, you know, five and six year olds that were carrying around poles and just eat up with it. So, uh, you know, again, that was really cool to see. Uh, like spoke to a lot of people from a lot of different areas. There was not just a Greenville, South Carolina crowd there. There was people from out West, up North, uh, you know, down in Florida. So there was a lot of traveling uh, to get to, to get to the classic this year. And that was awesome to see. Yeah. Ew. I was so really fast talking about the classic. We're not going to talk about it for too long. That's fine. Uh, I don't want to make you feel too bad. <laughs> um <laughs> That was probably one of the most exciting weigh-ins I think I've ever seen. Yeah. In person and watching. Because, like, yeah. no one thought Christy had it. Everyone thought that uh, – obviously, everyone thought he was sandbagging. but And we all thought Welcher was sandbagging, but we thought that Welcher had more in, the in like, coming in than – because Stetson sure. was weighing all of his. So, like, everyone thought if Welcher had Stetson, then that was it. That, you know, Christy was too far behind on Bass Track. Right. But Christie's like, oh, you're gonna sandbag? Well, I'll sandbag three <laughs> times as much. And then, yeah. but that was that was so cool because I think it caught everyone off guard. It yeah, was it was awesome. very cool. And and I don't know, you know, if you guys have, I'm sure y'all have heard the story. Like Stetson literally cold on his last cast, yeah. and you know, we didn't know if he put that fish in the bass track or, you know, what that cold did for him. So I mean, even up until those three guys weighed in, nobody knew. You know, I think we all knew that it was going to be between those three guys, but nobody it could have it could have swung either way for those yeah. guys, and it truly yeah. could have. It was you know those three guys were than were less than a pound, uh, you know, from the winning weight. So, um, it, it it really could have swung either way. It it was wild, and uh, you know it, it was cool to see Jason win. Uh, you know, obviously he had had the, you know his struggles there at, at Hartwell in the past, but. Uh, you know, for him to pull it out, but, but, but all three of those guys are great fishermen. Kyle's an awesome dude. He's a, he's a fantastic fisherman and same can be said about Stetson. So, um, 
you know, and, and they're great fishermen, and it shows on the Elite Series all year long. So wasn't a surprise to me to see that. I, I got to say, so I've no, we've had Kyle on the show before. We've chatted with him a bunch. Um, the class series was actually the first time I got to actually meet him in person. Um, and something that really stood out for me that probably didn't stick out for the public, I heard a lot of people saying, you know, the dude's got to be crushed, you know, being that close to a Bassmaster Classic title. Um, and I'm sure, obviously, Christie's been through it obviously multiple times. Sure. But uh, one, one thing that was really cool, and obviously I'm sure internally he's like, it, it sucks, right? I mean, it's yeah, the best classic. But I will say, literally, you know, five hours later, was hanging out with him at uh, one of the hotels where it was like West Logan, like Drew Cook. And dude, you would never know that that guy was ounces away from winning the Bassmaster Classic. Because I feel like I kind of got a good look at who, what his character actually is. Kyle's behind the scenes. And that, that was pretty cool to see. You would never know that he was that close. Well, and, I, you know, I'll, I'll just kind of, from my perspective, uh, you know, bass fishing is a sport where you lose a whole lot more than you ever win. Yeah. So, I mean, yes, he was very kind of, he has to be kind of, you know, kind of devastated, but mm-hmm. it's one of those deals where it's like, okay, you know, whenever I do have a poor performance at a tournament, it's like, okay, you know, I, I didn't do my best and I got beat. So, you know, I'm going to look forward to the next one. I'm not going to dwell on, you know, on this past tournament or whatever it may be. And I'm just going to move forward. And I think uh, that's the best thing for Kyle, to, you know, to do would be to just move along and, and you know, trust your your fishing skills and, and he's going to be just fine. Heck yeah. So we, uh, we got some, obviously we want to get into tonight's show yeah. because I'm really excited to talk about it. But before we do one thing, Congratulations to Ronnie Moore and his wife on their uh, on their first child. Uh, and being that we have, being that that happened, we have a comment here that's I have to ask from Jackson <laughs> Sullivan, a good buddy of ours, and he said, "Before we get started, Jake, are you going to be Ronnie's child's godfather?" <laughs> I don't believe so. Ronnie and I are very good buddies. That is that as that is well publicized. Um, <laughs> But no, I, I don't think I'm going to be his godfather. I'm sure he has somebody else, uh, you know, maybe somebody else picked out. But I don't think I would be the best pick for that. But with that being said, uh, you know, my wife and I are very happy for, for Ronnie and Sarah. And uh, and it, it's just a really cool experience. And I know he's been, he's been excited uh, for for that little girl to come. And, and now that she here, she's here, I know he's very excited. Yeah, yeah. Pulling up, hey Jake, can can you watch her for a week? I'm not a Lake Oahe, bro. I can't. <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry, bud. Not gonna happen. <laughs> we got uh, Cody Holland in the chat here saying, "What's up, Jake?" Saying hello. Cody's and, uh, my, Cody's a good buddy. I, I like Cody a lot. He's uh, we 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 were able to to talk a bunch uh, the last couple of years, and he's a good dude, a good awesome fisherman as well. So, Cody, yeah. Cody, he's a good buddy. Yes. We also have your day two marshal at Santee Cooper. And I know we were talking about a pre-spawn show, but this is something kind of cool. And I think it'd be kind of cool to look at. And I'm sure you've done your reflection, but yep. uh, is there anything you would have done differently at Santee Cooper? Um, Gosh, Mighty, you know, that's that's a hard question because practice was, was pretty good for me. Uh, the very first day I probably had, you know, somewhere in the upper 20s. 
uh, as far as, you know, some fish caught, some bites that I had. So, you know, the very first day of practice was awesome. And then I, I don't know if those bites led me down a, you know, a path that I didn't really need to be going down, but I really fished similar to a lot of the way that, you know, some of the top guys, I didn't get really get into the bed fishing deal until the, the, the last little bit of the second day. I never had found any. Um, so that, you know, Santee's full of trees and, and a little bit of grass. And I kind of focused on that bite and, you know, it just didn't materialize. I didn't get any good bites. I found two really big ones as Derek, you know, I'm, he, he remembers there the second day, two really big ones on bed at the end of the day and that I never was able to catch, but, and that's just part of fishing. So um, looking back, you know, obviously, you know, bed fishing uh, kind of ruled, ruled the, ruled the deal there at Santee. Um, but I, I'm, I'm not the best sight fisherman in the world. I don't mind doing it. Um, but I would rather catch them, you know, not looking at them if, if that's possible. So mm -hmm. for, for me to say that I would change anything, I, I don't think I would. Um, maybe I, you know, kind of could have switched areas up a little bit, but I, I fished the way that I wanted to. And if I would have done something different, you know, I would have looked back and said, you know, I should have, you know, done, done what I'm strong at and maybe had some regrets. So no regrets. Um, it is, it is what it is. Sometimes you just, you don't, you don't land around those big ones and that's okay. We, we survived it. It wasn't a terrible tournament. It wasn't a great one, but uh, you know, we salvaged a few AOI points and, and came out of there. Okay. Uh, in a angler of the year after, after Santee. Yeah. It's gotta be a nice little stretch here being in the Carolinas. I mean, one, obviously having the tournament in a couple of weeks home um, with the classic being at Hartwell, but, Correct. Getting into uh, this time for a lot of people that's, you know, beyond the Southeast right now, as it's his own realm. But I think everyone's starting to get into that pre-spawn, closer to spawn yeah. phase. But, I mean, yep. for us up north, we just finally got ice out. Yeah. So <laughs> we're not even a pre-spawn yet. Um, so but, uh, I was going to say some of our bodies of water and bays on Ontario are already approaching 50 degrees, I heard. Really? Yeah. Wow. Sorry, Bailey. I know you left, but <laughs> I just want to leave this live stream right now. <laughs> I'm so butthurt. It's not even funny. Uh, <laughs> but no, I, so in the pre-spawn, you know, take like a lake like Hartwell, where I think yep. that's really what was going on there, right? I mean, obviously yep. there was some spawning action, but a lot of the fish were really just starting to move up. Um, on a body of water like that, or really, I guess you can kind of approach it anywhere around the country, but in the pre-spawn, you're going out to to practice for a tournament. What are the first things you're going to look for? Like, where are you going to start to try to find your process? Like, get your process going and find fish. Well, the first thing during the pre-spawn is I'm obviously looking at what my water temperature is. Is it, you know, is it still high 40s? Is it low 50s? Are we mid to high 50s? Are we, you know, approaching 60 or, or whatever? So I'm, I'm kind of, you know checking that out, checking out my, you know, weather patterns. Are we on a warming trend? Have we just come off of a cold front? How, do I have a cold front approaching? So all of this, this time of the year is just so volatile when it comes to fish movement, weather patterns, moon phases, and, you know, structure that they're going to hang around. So from, I'll just work my way from early pre-spawn to before we get onto the bed. So early in pre-spawn, I'm looking for 
in the Carolinas, especially, I'm looking for those deeper ditches leading uh, either into creeks or near spawning bays, still looking out, you know, pretty deep water in that, you know, 30, 30 to 20 to 30 foot range. Um, still a lot of brush pile, brush pile fish being caught then. Um, throwing a lot of slow moving baits, whether it's a, you know, a jig or a shaky head. Mixing in a jerk bait a lot. Um, a jerk bait's a fantastic option in that that first pre-spawn style, and it, it, it the jerk bait works all the way through. But I really like it early uh, in that pre-spawn phase. And then as we start warming up to you know we get into our lower fifties and mid fifties, I'm going to start looking uh, for more of those transition banks, uh, whether it's in those creeks or or a main lake, main lake uh, bank that has some rock or some laydowns or whatever it may be that those fish can pull up on and be in deep water quickly if there's a cold front approaching or they can be in shallow water quickly if it's you know a good warming trend so those transition style banks are are really good uh in that you know mid mid 50 uh degree water temperature and then as we move on into the you know the the as we get closer to the spawn I'm going to start looking at those very backs of pockets under boat docks. Um, I, I'm a boat dock fisherman. I like to fish boat docks. So, I, I mean, I'll, I'll mix in boat docks all the way through this process, but I, I really see those boat docks playing a lot as we get closer to the spawn, especially those shallow, shallower ones. And I think that's like what we saw there at the Classic. It was We had a warming trend that week. Uh, those fish uh, we had uh, the, the moon was getting right. Uh, those fish wanted to come up to start spawning. I don't think they really started spawning yet, but they were getting really close, and the, and that's why we started seeing those shallow boat docks play a lot. So, you know that that's kind of just my rundown of um, you know a very simple rundown on on how I approach things. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously, there's a bunch of different ways to do it. A lot of different baits work all throughout this time. So it's really just a, you know, a style of fishing thing. Uh, however you, you want to approach it, you can really do that. So, um, but I just, you know, it's just different areas to focus on that have worked well uh, for me in the past. Yeah, I think one thing that's really interesting that still sticks to me, and actually I had a conversation with him about it um, this morning before I was getting on my flight. Uh, we had Luke Palmer on the show. Yeah. And one of the things he was said he noticed was that his fish in the classic were only on like the last three docks, like correct in a pocket, no, yep. not the fourth, yep. but, but the last three. And I thought that was a very interesting deal because, and I'd like to run this by you. Yeah. Is that those fish? Is that, are they ma- essentially making that stretch of docks their imaginary secondary point if they're that, you know, certain creek doesn't have it? to go therefore back in and then spawn? Is that what that is acting as? Well, I, th- I just think they use the docks, especially there at Hartwell and, you know, a lot of other places in the South, they use docks to pre, you know, to, to basically stage on before they go spawn. And Hartwell is, you know, a very patternable lake when it, be- when it comes to that, because a lot of the lake sets up similar, a lot of those, uh, the mouth of those creeks are fairly deep, so the docks that are, you know, more towards the mouth of a pocket have a little bit deeper water on them, you know, 15, 20 feet of water on them. And those, just like Luke was saying, f- for whatever reason, those last three docks 
are usually the obviously the shallowest, whether it's, you know, I would say eight foot and less under those docks. And in a lot of the pockets on Hartwell, you, you get to those back third of the docks, you're, you're looking at eight foot or less. So those fish will, you know, just stage under them. And a lot of them are, are floating docks. They've got the black floats. I, I, a lot of times, you know, we've I, I, I've talked about it a bunch. You've heard a lot of the other guys, other pros talk about the black floats hold heat. So those fish that are coming up, they're cold. They're coming from deep water. They're looking for sunshine. They're looking for warmth. So they'll just slide right up under those black float docks and just sit there and wait until it's time to go, uh, you know, make a bed and, and go spawn. So uh, that is that that is a prime pattern on Hartwell that time of year. This time of year is, you know, fishing the last few boat docks in a pocket. And just like you said, don't even waste your time. Uh, at the at the front of them, uh, just go ahead and run those back back couple, and uh, and I think you you know run across a good bag just like Luke did. Uh, but but the black float docks are key in the pre spawn. If you've got those on your lakes, um, when, right before they start spawning, make sure you're hitting those docks very very well. Jig, shaky head, wacky rig, jerk bait, swim baits. Really, there's not a bad thing to throw on them. Uh, you just kind of got to let the fish tell you what mood they're in and be able to catch them. Are you a guy that starts like slow in terms of like drag a jig or are you kind of guy that wants to start fast, like cranking, throwing a jig? Yeah, I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a cranking wine type of guy. So I tend to tend to start fast and then, you know, if I can't get bit on some of that stuff, I'll slow down. Um, again, I would just rather catch them on, you know, a moving bait or, you know, something that I'm able to move fast. Um, but even, even when I am fishing uh, like a jig or something, I, I still fish pretty fast. I'm hitting, you know, high percentage areas on those docks. It's one or two cast under those docks. And if, they, if they're, if they're not there, they're not there. And if they are, they're going to bite on the, you know, first, first cast or two. So mm-hmm. um, I, I don't really like to, to soak a bait long during the pre-spawn just because the fish are active most of the time they're ready to eat they're feeding up and they're trying to get fat so uh, i'm looking for those for those bigger fish that are ready to eat yeah i mean at least you know andy can touch on it too and then in the north and this time of year in the pre-spawn I, I those fish are not biased to anything that goes in front of their no. face they'll eat a, a dang leaf on a hook <laughs> um but so I think there's fish. something to be said about cold fronts in the pre-spawn too, where that will still kind of completely turn off on you and you have to go to. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the worst thing that can happen is like a, you know, a major cold front comes through right as fish are either trying to, trying to start spawning or they're getting close. And there is definitely a day or two uh, right after that cold front that passes um, that can be very tough. But what I will say is the day, of like if it's real cold and rainy the day of as a front is passing i have seen that be a awesome fishing day um and you wouldn't think that so the the pre-spawn time you get those nasty ugly days those days can be special um so i encourage people that you know if you want to go have a really good day you try getting out on those nasty days try make sure you have your uh you know, you're right, rain suit and, and clothing. But um, if you can handle it, man, you can catch a lot of fish on those nasty days. 
the the best days to fish because yes. there's two reasons <laughs> one the fish bite and two there's like no angling nobody out there you're exactly so... right you are exactly right <laughs> yeah it's, it's kind of funny like the more i think serious you get about bass fishing the less you go when it's like really amazing weather out <laughs> yes yeah, yeah you almost, you almost look at it and say you know unless it's like a spawning tournament you look at it it's like oh yeah. man it's gonna be sunny and nice today i don't want to <laughs> <laughs> there's gonna be a hundred thousand pledge yeah. five foot wakes <laughs> like, yeah yeah. Oh, you know, unless it's like ledge season or something like that, true. where it could be somewhat true. good. But true. Um, so something with the pre-spawn that still confuses the hell out of me, and I think it confuses the heck out of a lot of anglers, but obviously you guys are way better at it than the, the rest of us, is when you get in the pre-spawn, you're following these fish up, and mm-hmm. like we just talked about where a, a front moves in, yep. do you think those fish just turn off? and are still in that same areas or are they simply pulling back to something? And if so, do you have a process of trying to find them again? Yeah. Well, gosh, I mean, that that still honestly gets, gets a lot of us at times. Um, It's hard to say. And it, it depends on how far those fish are in their process. Like if I know for a fact, if a fish are, once a fish sets up on a bed, it takes a lot to, to knock that fish off. But for a fish that is, you know, yet to, to make a spawning bed and is, you know, just kind of transitioning into an area. I don't think that they actually move a ton. I think it's just kind of a, you know, I, I just think they kind of get in a deal where it's like, ah, not really in a biting mood because most of the time after a cold front, we've get, you get these high bluebird sky days, high pressure, and everybody knows high pressure days are just not the greatest for fishing. So I don't know that, again, I don't know that they move a ton, but I think it's just one of those deals where it's, you really just kind of got to slow down and, you know, maybe whatever you think those fish were doing, maybe find that first uh, piece of cover that they're going to come back to, or, you know, maybe they're going to slide to a secondary point instead of being on a boat dock in a, in a, in a pocket. So um, it's just, it's, it's really trial and error. A lot of fish are, you know, totally different in certain areas. Um, Like I say, I mean, Lake Hartwell and the, and the, the lakes around my home, they're herring lakes. So they tend to bite better on sunny days just because they're always looking up at those herring. Mm -hmm. So it just depends on where you're at in the country and what kind of fish you're, you're targeting. So, um, but that, that's my take on it. I just think, I don't think they really move, um, as far as like back out to the river channel or nothing. I just think they kind of hunker down and kind of lay low for a day or two. Yeah. I was going to say on days like that, I find I catch them on everything, but very slowly. So like, yes. it's kind of like a junk pattern, but they'll yes. bite like a wacky Sanko fish extremely exactly. slow. But yep. you'll catch one on a dock, one on a tree, one on a piling. Exactly. So they're just very hard to pattern. It's very yeah. hard to pattern off of a you know a, a post cold front condition. They're just just like you said. It's kind of their bites are random. Um, they're they'll still bite if you can get around them. That's just very random. 
Well, and the nice part now is you have forward-facing sonar, so you can tell yeah, if they're still there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's just yeah. I don't know. I don't know if that's a good thing or not because I've seen a lot of fish since I've had that thing, and they don't bite. And it's like I don't even. I wish I didn't even know you were there. <laughs> yeah, I was. I was out on one of our lakes. Uh, oh gosh, was it two days ago? And yeah. so water temp was thirty-eight, and I had gotten into a couple of them. But they were already like the schools of them were getting spooked by just a simple blade bait and Ned rig. And I was like, yeah, screw this. shouldn't be happening right now. (laughs) Too cold. (laughs) Give give that water four degrees. They'll start. There you go. Yeah. So um, when you're you're fishing the pre-spawn and you're on a good group of fish in terms of a a size of the the school, right? In terms of Mm -hmm. numbers. And you can't really seem to get a bite over, say, three pounds. Right. You know, is there any switches that you'll make in terms of applications to try to trigger a big bite? Or are you just going to keep moving until you find a larger class of fish? Or color um, of a bait? Yeah. I mean, just like a lot of times. Uh, He's like, don't like make me answer this. I mean, well, I mean, you could be catching them on like a a red crankbait. We'll go with we'll, a staple in the South and, you know, pre-spawn a red crankbait. You're catching three pounders on that bait all day long. You can't catch anything bigger. We'll just, you know, I've, I've switch up to a jig, you know, they're, they're biting crawfish obviously because they're biting red crankbaits. They're biting crawfish. So try a jig or, you know, try a, a shaky head or just like uh, Andrew said, a different colored square bill or something. Um, I've, I've noticed a lot of times, especially around, you know, my house when red is really good. Yeah. You want to throw that, but I've also known you've seen where chartreuse works just as good. And it's just something different that, you know, they're, they're not accustomed to yet to where you want to just throw something a little different, but yes, definitely. I, and there are times where, you, you get on this group of fish that they're based on and they're schooled up by size. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's you, you try to look for an area very similar to that, just, you know, somewhere else. So my first, uh, you know, plan of action, if, if I'm just trying to get a bigger bite is maybe throw a little bit bigger bait. Um, but it could also mean slow down a little bit or speed up a little bit. So, um, you know, that, that's just kind of my general rule of thumb is, is, First of all, if you're catching three pounders, I don't care where you're at. That's pretty good. So <laughs> that northern yeah. Cooper, apparently. Well, yeah, but um, but yeah, I mean, it's just kind of again, just trial and error. Just try try throwing different stuff if you're catching the same class fish on a certain thing. Uh, just give them something a little little different to look at, and I think that would help. I think that's one thing people, myself included. Uh, overlook a lot is speed where yes. you might throw something where you're used to throwing it like your style of throwing a certain bait you'll throw that only that cadence yep. and you'll put it away and start using something else where they might have eaten that if you just maybe either slowed it down or sped it up well i mean one you know one instance that's already happened this year was was down at uh in florida at the harris chain uh the very first day uh, I was literally ripping a chatterbait through grass and like it was, I was, you know, just trying to keep up with it as best as I could. You know, once I rip it, I, I've got a high speed reel to try to, you know, to keep up my stack and those fish were just killing it then. And, you know, I noticed some Too of the guys fun. were, 
yeah, we're just you know either throwing worms or or maybe just fishing a little bit slower. They were catching fish too, but I was able to get a couple of those really good bites those first couple of days, and I think maybe that a bit might have been key. But who knows? But it worked out. So definitely speed of retrieve and you know maybe a lure change mixed in as well could help. Yeah, I'm actually really intrigued, and I wanted to sneak it in here selfishly because I was so curious what was going on at Harris. That like, because <laughs> you saw, it and it, it's I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I mean, there was a lot of boats in that in that there area. Was a Party Cove. Yeah, <laughs> and, and guys, there was so many fish in that area that literally everybody that fished in there, you know, caught fish. And obviously, not everybody caught the right size, but right at any point in time, you would look up and somebody was either pulling, putting one in a live well or, you know, bow flipping one or whatever it may be. Um, there was very few times throughout the three days that I fished there that there was a lull in the action. You know, it was a little bit slower for me on day two, on day three, but there was still a lot of guys that caught them in there. So I think that that area just had the correct environment, everything set up perfectly that week for them. And there was a, ton ton of fish in there from pre-spawners i think a few were spawning on the bank as well and then a few post-spawners mixed in as well so it was just kind of the perfect storm for that area yeah so what's the the strategy behind that like is it just basically you play musical chairs with everybody and you <laughs> well run I mean, you know i think i was like i was in the second flight the very first day so it was a I had a decent boat draw and I was, you know, when we blasted off, a couple of the boats in front of me, they turned left and, and headed towards the Dead River. And I was like, okay, maybe this won't be too bad. Uh, I knew there would be some some company in there, but I didn't, you know, think it would be that bad. But whenever I got in there uh, the first morning, I think I was like mid-20s or mid to high 20 boat number. And I bet there was already 15 boats already in there. And if I rolled in there, I was like, oh, gosh, like this is going to be... <laughs> You know, this is going to be, we're going to be good if we can get a couple fish out of here. But luckily there was nobody on the little stretch of grass that I wanted to fish. So I just kind of pulled up and literally like my third cast, I caught like a three and a half and which was the biggest fish that I had caught there up until that point during practice, I'd caught several fish out of that area, but none of them were really bigger than two and a half. I was just really going to that area just to try to get a limit and then move along and go fish some canals and, and do that stuff. But man, like I just like I said, the third cast I caught a three and a half, and then it was just like every fifteen or twenty minutes I caught a four pounder after that, and it was it was wild, it was fun. We had a lot of a lot of fun, but yeah, getting back to your point, it was basically just just fish around and mill around with everybody. I think we all realized like nobody is going to have their own little stretch just because there's so many people. So. Um, Nobody, I don't think anybody got in an argument with each other. We just kind of realized like, look, this is a community hole and we've just got to do our best and, you know, try to fish out fish the, the guy next to us. And um, it was really good. It was really uh, nice to see uh, all the guys kind of get along and, and, you know, share those fish the way that we did. It was, it was really cool. Now, like to a follow-up question on that, how many boats does it take to not become a community hole, but like um, a city hole, right? Like everybody's right. there. <laughs> so maybe that's the common denominator. If you throw everybody in the tournament in one spot, nobody will fight because it seems like 
if you get two guys in an area and they're fishing the same stretch, fireworks could happen. Yeah. So yeah, well, and like I said, I mean, it, this area it looks small and it does look small on the map, but you know, once you got out there, it was actually a pretty good sized area. Yeah. So it handled, you know, it could handle those boats for a few days as it showed it that it did. Yeah. Um, but you know, the first day, I think once blast off got ended, I think there was probably, I don't know. I don't know if there was 20 boats in there or not. Maybe it was 20 is probably a good number, but the funny thing, day two rolls around and that morning and it looked like there was like 35 in there. I don't know. I don't know what happened, how they got word about, but there was definitely a few more boats that showed up there on day two. Um, but, you know, that's that's part of it. But like I said, um, it was definitely community hole, but we we all kind of worked together and, and made it work. We have a really good question here okay. uh, from Jim Johnson on Facebook. It says, what do you think about how the full moon affects the pre-spawn? He said he fished last Friday in the morning after the full moon. 42 degree water and they were stacked in three to four feet. Does, uh, do you believe in the full moon with the, the pre-spawn and pushing fish shallow? Definitely. Definitely. I, I think full moons throughout the year, um, will dr- especially pre-spawn all the way through the fall. I think I don't necessarily, you know, in the wintertime, but even summertime, there's always a, you know, when it's a full moon, there's always a, you know, a little wave of fish that moves shallow just because, I think a lot of the bait actually moves shallow uh, on, you know, even, even, you know, just like he mentioned 42 degree water. I just think that those fish can, you know, they see, they can see at night. And I, for, for whatever reason, I think those fish kind of just move along with the bait. I think the bait gets pulled up uh, a little bit shallower. Um, but definitely, as we get closer to the spawn, those fish are, are ready, especially now in the south. These fish are ready to spawn. They're getting ready. Um, so that full moon draws a ton of fish shallow. It doesn't necessarily make them spawn, but it's a it's a big key and a, and a big help. So um, I definitely believe that a, that a full moon uh, is a driver for, for some shallow fish in pre-spawn. Heck yeah. I, that's one thing I just need, I need like a looter table, something I need to pay more attention to. I think especially this time of year, it, which it's something I've paid attention to in the past. Like, cause I used to, I would go out and night fish for bass. Yep. That could be a yep. lot of fun, especially when things get tough. Sure. But, well, yeah, and, I think- I, and, and something that I've, you know, started paying a little more attention to, not a ton, but I'll, I'll just look at it and kind of, see if it matches up to my day of fishing is, you know, your major and minor feeding times um, with these lunar patterns. So um, for, for some instance, you know, if it's a full moon, you're, you might have a, a feed at night. So your major feed during the day might be afternoon time or whatever it may be. So it doesn't always, you know, determine, you know, they're obviously not always going to bite during those time periods. But it is cool to see if you got more bites uh, during a certain time frame and it match up to like a minor or major feed. Um, so just, I mean, that's just something that you can look at, you know, before before you go out in the day, look up your moon phase and uh, check out your, you know, your almanac for uh, minor and major feed times throughout the day and just see if it matches up to to what happens during your day. 
I think that's an awesome point. Now, one thing I was going to say about the full moon and one of the people who taught me how to bass fish, what it, they basically told me it has something to do with crawfish and it makes like their uh, shells softer. So fish will actually move up and sure. eat crawfish. <laughs> yeah, so, I don't know. I, I just love throwing big jigs when the full moon yeah, happens anytime. Sure. Year, I feel like that's when you get your best jig bite personally. For sure. And, I don't know if that's confidence or if it's because of the full moon soft shell crawfish deal actually being legit. So I have no idea. That's not good <laughs> to me. I'll roll with it. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> we got uh, the Bassmaster YouTube in the house tonight saying, "What's up, Heck yeah? Jake? What's up, give, guys? Give a shout out to the boys." That's I, awesome. I think Ronnie hacked into the Bassmaster YouTube. I'm sure he probably did. <laughs> <laughs> Little did he uh, know we were picking on him earlier. Yes. <laughs> we have a thing where we like to pick on Ronnie on this show. More the fantasy fishing stuff. He's easy. Yeah. He's an easy person to pick on. Ronnie's <laughs> a good. Ronnie's a good dude, though. He's a uh, good sport about it. He is. He is, and he's. But he's. A, he's good at what he does. He. He brings a lot to Bassmaster and Bassmaster Live, and uh, you know I think he makes the show a little bit better. Yeah. yeah. Totally. I mean, not to go off another tangent here, but. It was really fun a while back when I first met Ronnie to talk to him about uh, how similar our backgrounds were in terms of college and going to school for sport management. And then sure. both wind up saying, screw that. Let's go. The yeah, no, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. It's funny how that works out, right? That's right. <laughs> so uh, here's another question I have in terms of, of pre-spawn and getting up shallow. Uh, and especially for some people that don't have a forward facing technology and have mm-hmm. all the gadgets. Uh, I know you had mentioned uh, looking at like one, you can tell them mapping in terms of banks and steep banks and transitions, but also looking at the bank composition that you can yep. see above the water line. Correct. Um, so visual cues. Are there, yep. What is the most important visual cue for someone that doesn't have all the fancy electronics to get up and, and try to you know go fish a bank? to try to catch these pre-spawners? Yeah, so, I mean, the majority of the time, the way the bank looks, you know, outside of the water is very similar to what's under the water. So when I'm in the pre-spawn and I don't, if I don't have live or active target like I have, I am looking for, uh, you know, channel bends, uh, creek channel bend banks. I'm looking for, uh, flat banks that are coming off when I get closer to the spawn. Um, if you noticed a lot during the classic, a lot of those boat docks that Christy was fishing were on super flat banks. So those bank, you know, those, the water uh, under those boat docks were not, they weren't boat, deep boat docks. So just being able to, to look out and kind of see the lay of the land above the water is a very good representation of what's under the water. It's not always the case. I've, I've been in areas where it's been a, you know, a super steep drop off above the water and it actually be a pretty flat bank. But the majority of the time, the lay of the land on top of the water or out of the water is very, a very good representation of what's under the water. So, you know, in the pre-spawn of, you know, a, a Creek channel bend bank is a fantastic, fantastic pre-spawn bank a lot those fish can stage there just like i said earlier they're they have access to deep water if they need it and they have access to the shallow water um when if 
you know, the weather allows that to happen. So, um, and I'm throwing spinner baits and crank baits um, on those areas. If I've got a, you know, a, a cold front, maybe I'm slowing down jig, shaky head, that kind of thing. But those creek channel bends and or where the creek channel just kind of swings up close to the bank. It doesn't have to be a bend. If it's, you know, those, those banks that are leading into a pocket that have a little bit deeper water can be fabulous as well during the pre-spawn. Heck yeah. I, I like the fact that you're keeping it simple. This, uh, so like watching Caleb Kufal at Santee and like seeing Luke Palmer keeping things simple. I'm t- talking in terms yep. of bait wise. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, are you a guy that, that kind of has just a main selection of, of go-to baits. You don't get too kind of fancy with all of these crazy JDM stuff. For sure. Yeah. I'm a, I, I keep it as simple as I can. I, um, everybody knows me. I like to throw my wacky rig during the spring. Um, I like to throw a jig a lot, but you know, I'm also not afraid to pick up a spinner bait and a square bill as well. So, but no, I, I keep it as, as simple as possible. I don't get crazy on colors. I don't think, uh, you know, the wild and crazy colors are, you know, any different than green pumpkin or black and blue or whatever it may be. So um, I just think it, think it makes it easier as far as uh, bait selection wise. If you get, you know, all tore up of over, well, I caught them on green pumpkin gold or silver and uh, they're not biting that. So I'm going to switch up to, you know, watermelon purple red and i just you know try to keep it as simple as possible i keep my colors very similar uh obviously you know you know i've got my darker colors to the lighter colors but i don't have a hundred packs of each different color so um i i try my best to keep it as simple as possible i think it just makes you you know more confident in what you are throwing um and it just allows you to try to you know instead of worrying about the bait you're throwing, I think it you worry more about where you're throwing it instead of what you're throwing. Yeah, like when there's certain people that are saying, "Oh, they were they were on the purple flake." It couldn't it couldn't be. Yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna throw this out there right now. I don't think flake matters. No, <laughs> I hate flake. I hate, I don't exactly. own anything with flake anymore. Like it's yeah, I, I hate it. I just yeah. I don't want to think about it. And like yeah. if, honestly, if they're gonna be if they're legitimately going to be on something that's purple flake over a straight green pumpkin. I'm just going to leave like, cause I'm not going to figure that yeah. out. I don't have yeah. that. No, that ain't me. I'm with you. I'm the best thing you. to do is just dip that tail in some chartreuse. Or there you go. You're that, that get bit a little you better. <laughs> if you're not getting bit, dip your tail in chartreuse. It'll get work every time. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so Andy, Andy, kind of the same question for you in terms of smallmouth, right? Yeah. One thing I've, I've kind of learned with the finger lakes is that the large mouth and the small mouth have completely I should say completely, but two different routes in terms of pre-spawn and getting up on the bed. Yeah. I mean, I've, beyond electronics for you and smallmouth, what kind of like cues have you found? Because there's not much visual cue on a Great Lake for no. smallmouth in terms of pre-spawn. What right. kind of things have, have you learned to kind of help follow you along on this path for these fish? So the biggest thing is knowing where the wintering areas are and understanding where possibly the spawning flats could be and knowing what's in between. So like if there's any rock structure, steep contour breaks, drop-offs, reefs. But um, to break it down even simpler, if you have a big harbor, 
knowing where the steep breaks are in the harbor that the fish are going to use as transition areas to run into those shallow spawning flats in the back. So for instance, in Buffalo, coming into the harbor, there's a lot of really steep breaks where it goes from like two foot of water to 28, 30 foot. And those fish use those as highways. As soon as the ice is off the lake, you can catch them right up steep, real shallow, but in like that 15 to 20 foot. And then they'll use that when the water gets to 55, they're on bedding gone. So mm-hmm. like that's the easiest way to do it. But in the main lake, it's a lot harder to basically figure out where they're going to spawn because everything shallow is a big flat. Mm. It's just knowing where the in-between is to be able to follow them from winter to pre-spawn to spawn. Can you guys hear me okay? I hit my mic button. I hit the volume. Can you hear me? All right? Yeah. Yep. All right, cool. I hit the thing and I was like, I don't know if I turned <laughs> that or not. So, um, so Jake, looking at a pre spawn for, I don't get a lot of opportunities unless Andy takes me out on the Niagara River to fish current fisheries. Um, do you think that a pre spawn in terms of where the fish, you know, where they stage to get up to go back and spawn? Mm-hmm. is different from a lake setting like do you have to approach it any different uh i mean current fish are funny yeah current current fish <laughs> are their own beast they you know a, a lot of the times current fish obviously they don't necessarily want to spawn in current because they don't want you know they don't want their eggs you know floating down river as soon as they get rid of them so they're going to try to find the 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 area where there is the least amount of current so that they can spawn. So with that being said, in a lot of times, you know, in a, in a current driven fishery, those fish can go from being in the current to out of the current in a very small space. So it's, it's kind of hard. So, I mean, wherever you could find uh, that area that has the least amount of current, I'm sure there's going to be fish around there somewhere. Now you may have to look in the current to find them pre-spawn, but I think they're going to be gathered up and getting, you know, you know, in a school or, or gathering really close by to, to where they're going to spawn. So if you could find that, that would be probably be a, a great place to load the boat. But, um, Again, as those fish are, are trying to spawn, they're going to try to get out of the current. So whether it's a flat or a bay or something that is, you know, not directly in the river, in the river current is going to be where those fish are going to spawn. So looking somewhere close is, is going to be your best bet, I would imagine. Yeah. So instead of like on a lake where you might start deeper and work your way back of a creek, you might want exactly. to flip flop, start where they yes. might go to spawn. Exactly. And then, it, like like you said, if, if they're not there, maybe you can you ease on out to the current, but maybe there's, you know, a, sh- a shallow bar that still has current, but maybe those fish are still are set up there waiting to move. Yeah, makes sense. Another thing I've found about, like, this is going pre-pre-spawn, like winter going into pre-spawn, I found current fish tend to live shallower than any sure. other fish. Just I, because- I think that's, I think that's a a fair statement throughout the year. I really do. Um, now you, there's, you know, different circumstances where, you know, Northern, you know, smallmouth in current, they like to live deeper as well. But, but with that being said, I've seen those fish, you know, move, live super shallow year round as well. So I would agree river fish and current fish do tend to live shallower 
than normal lake fish. Yeah, I've been super intrigued and not to go into any details and get you in any trouble, but just out of curiosity, go up to St. Lawrence River in those winter months and just poke around shallow to see if there you find them up there. I don't know that you would find a ton, but I would be almost willing to bet if you did find one, it would probably be a really good one. I would think so, but we'll never know. We're not allowed to fish them. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Which I think should be a crime that we're not allowed to fish them throughout those months. (laughs) Well, yeah. So you could fish the St. Lawrence, I think, until November 31st in two counties. And then if you go way up the river, I think you can actually fish it later. You well, can, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, but it's the best section is that you can't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. But either way, that's n- neither here or there. <laughs> we uh, we got a good comment here from Team Bass Pack. He's yep. talking about um, you came in third at Lake Chickamauga last year. Oh, yeah. It feels like last year. COVID year. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That's wow. The, that is- these two and a half years are all kind of jumbled into one. Yeah, man. All right? I know. I was literally, I was reading it and I was like, yeah, it was last fall. I was yeah. like, okay. um, what he said, what might be different in this event coming up in a couple of weeks? And I'm sure a lot is going to be different. So, uh, uh, mo- most everything is going to be yeah. different. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I don't know that a 2.8, uh, you know, little swim bait is going to be much of a of a factor in this one. But uh, no, I mean, really, everything's going to be different. The the grass is not topped out like it was in October. Um, there's still grass available, but it's just it's not the same style of fishing. Your chatter baits, um, your lipless crank baits are working right now, um, and and. You know it's it's springtime in the south, so those fish are obviously going to start making a making a push, uh, depending on weather to to the to the banks to start spawning. Um, you know, there's going to be it's you're going to be really be able to fish however you want to fish at Chickamauga and and, and catch fish, uh, and that's just going to be trying to f- figure out how to catch those you know better than average. Um, fish but again everything's going to be different Uh, you know there may be still a few areas of the river that produced uh in the fall that will produce again it's just going to be a different style of fishing i think will your marina docks play again (laughs) hey i'm not not saying that you couldn't catch some fish (laughs) on those right now because believe it or not that marina dock was not very deep it was like 10 foot at its deepest where I was catching them. So uh, it very well could be a, you know, a good place to try to catch a pre-spawn fish um, that set up. And I've caught a lot of, a lot of big fish uh, around marinas this time of year pre-spawn. So I think it's just a a great habitat for them to live year round. I think the bait uh, lives there. There's probably some brush. There's a lot of trash, uh, you know, great cover there. There's always shade available. So, um, Marinas are are fantastic area, uh, especially if it's a little bit shallower than than normal. Um, they're fantastic area to to pre spawn fish for sure. So Andy, we have our and Jake as well. We have our Lake Chickamauga fantasy fishing preview show next Thursday. Yeah, we do it a week leading up. So Andy, <laughs> we're going to test to see if Bart listens to this because Jake, what do you think it's going to take a day? A Pound day. Wide. Uh, it's Ch- it's Chickamauga. I don't think we're going to see Santee Cooper weights. 
<laughs> but I, I mean, really, you you could be somewhere in that eighty to ninety pound range. I think twenty a day would be very strong. Um, I think Chickamauga just gets fished so much this time of year. But with that being said, there's fish moving in and out daily there. If you can find the right stretch, you can really catch some nice fish there. Um, I, I would look for, you know, high 80s, mid to high 80s to win the tournament. Uh, but, again, I just don't think that we're going to see those sand, that, you know, that 100-pound mark broke. But who who's, who's to say? It, it may be, and we may hit it dead perfect and it may just be a, another slug fest but um i think there's going to be a ton of fish caught i think there's going to be uh some great stringers caught but i i just don't i don't know that chickamauga is as good as it was a few years ago i'm sure it's it's still a great fishery but it has uh it's definitely gotten the pressure in the last few years taking some lumps yes Yes. <laughs> Are you saying that 1,400 boats in a weekend's bad for a lake? Yes, it is very bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the biggest thing you guys probably have to contend with. It's not even the fish, right? It's the ple- not the pleasure boaters, but like yeah. the recreational bass fishermen that will be out. Yeah. And well, nine and, other tournaments probably. Right. And, and you know, I have people ask me this all the time, you know, about, well, are they, I mean, they shouldn't really be. Well, look. You know, those guys have just as much right to the water as we do uh, when we have our tournament in these areas. It's just nice when, you know, when we pull up in an area and maybe somebody's fishing it, you know, it's nice when they kind of understand that we are fishing for a living <laughs> and trying to, you know, put put money in the bank for us. Uh, you know, I'm sure they are too, but it, it's, it's just nice. And I'm never going to, you know, be one to, you know, to run up and cut a local off or somebody that's fishing. I'm not going to do that, but it is nice when, you know, they kind of, kind of help us out a little bit. It, it makes it, it makes it a whole lot easier for us to be a little more, uh, you know, compassionate towards them. So, yeah. um, but like I said, they, you know, everybody has as much right to those lakes when we're there mm-hmm. as we do. So, um, you know, I, if they want to fish, that's great. Go for it. Yeah, I think it it takes a avid bass angler to understand the ethics behind sure. going out when you guys got a tournament. Yeah. I thought, uh, I think it was day four of Santee. It was either day three or day four. Um, that I thought that it was going to turn into WWE when you see Corey Johnston and a guy way in the back. You didn't even rec- you didn't yeah. at the time. Yep. You yep. see him catch like a five. Yep. And then the next, like two minutes later, the guy's right next to Corey. Yeah. Around Corey. Yeah. I'm like, Corey, yeah. like, I thought something was like, yeah, I'm like you know, and it's like, I mean, I, I completely understand like the fish are on the bed. Everybody wants to go out there and catch them. They really do. And that's great. But there was only 10 boats on the water mm-hmm. that, you know, the other day when, when I, I saw the same thing was when Corey was fishing, it was just like, can you just not go, you know, across the creek somewhere and find somewhere? <laughs> just, Give them a little bit of, you space. know, that's yeah. they were ten yards away. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. brutal. So, and I, but like I say, I I try not to to worry about you know pleasure fishermen and just because you know I, I've been there before. I, I've uh, you know wanted to go fishing before and and have stuff like that happen, but it's just it's just nice when it when when they understand what's what's going on yeah yeah
So Jake, we're gonna we're gonna let you go here in a second because but there's one more question I want to ask. That's yeah, man. That's a really good question. Uh, it's from Tyler Hillman on Facebook, and he's saying, "How does water clarity affect when you break down a lake in the pre-spawn?" Okay, well, um, clean water is always king when the water is colder, but when you get warming muddy water you can knock their lights out when it's, when it's dirty water and it's warming. So um, that's my, my rule of thumb is if I am at an, in an area where, you know, the water is stained and it is, we are under a warming trend. I am getting as shallow as I can with a spinner bait, chatter bait, crank bait. I'm power fishing as hard as I can, uh, you know, in some of that stained and dirty water. But you know, clear water, you're always going to be able to, you know, catch fish in clear water. You may have to, you know, finesse them a little bit more in that cleaner water. But whenever you're, you've got cold water, you know, you never really want cold, muddy water. Um, so I'm looking for clean water when it's really cold. And then if we're warming up and we, we're starting to see some of that stained water, I'm definitely going to be more of a fan of stained water than I am clean water. Is there a magic number? That you uh, put no, not not really. Uh, not really. As long as it's warming, I don't. You know, if it's fifty-one and warming, that's fine. If it's yeah. fifty-six and warming, that's great. If it's forty-eight and I just don't want a cool and you know, and it's yeah. ne- not necessarily warming. If you understand yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah, and muddy water tends to warm a little quicker too. It does. It? Yeah. it sure does. It sure does. So that's probably why they're getting drawn there. That's correct. That's correct. Isn't it kind of just so intriguing how like bass can know when certain parts of the lake? <laughs> it's and it's like a vacuum. Just well, and in. you know that was kind of one of the deals at, at Santee. The very first day of practice, I found a little area that was not it wasn't dirty, but it was you know had a little stain to it. And man, they were eating a blade off of a spinnerbait. It was fun, and for whatever reason, that area cleaned up a little bit and I, and I was not able to, you know, get those fish to bite anymore. I don't know if they left or moved or what happened. So, um, you know, it's just one of those deals where you just kind of got to try to stay on top of it and, and move with it. Yeah, definitely a very intriguing topic. And dude, thank very you so much for yeah. taking time. Thank out you. To chat hey with guys, I, I really appreciate you guys having me on and, uh, we'll do it again sometime soon. Yeah. Heck yeah, buddy. Uh, are you looking forward to a specific event coming up or are you just kind of ready to go one by one? Man, I, I think I think all the tournaments coming up are going to be fantastic tournaments. There's going to be some big fish caught at Chick. And then, uh, you know, we've got a, a little, little bit of a break after Chick. Um, and then we've got, I think, Fork and Pickwick on schedule coming up after that. So, uh, you know, there's some awesome lakes uh, that are coming up. And, and big, big fish are going to be caught. So, uh, I'm looking forward to all of them, really. It's going to be fun. Well, we hope you're one of them, buddy, and uh, we hope that there's some good luck coming to you. We have this weird trend that when we get guys on here and then they have elite events afterwards, they do well. Luke has been doing great. Since I'm here. Hey, hey, guys, I, will, <laughs> I will give you guys all the credit in the world if that works out for me. <laughs> <laughs> when you win pick or fourth, we just need to shout us out on Thanks. stage. Go get it done, man. Go get it done. Hey, guys, I appreciate it. it. Y'all have a good one. You too. Hi, buddy. We'll talk to you. Have a good night. Yes, sir. See you, Jake. Could you imagine that became like a trend? 
we'd be the hottest topic for getting yeah. angry. Yeah. <laughs> <You're> like, <"Let laughs> <that's a> show. <laughs> no, yeah, we've had that happen a couple times. Like that happened with, uh, with Wes Logan that happened with Gussie. Like it was, it was kind of yeah. intriguing. Not that yeah. Luke won, but like sixth place at the classic. And then, uh, what was he? Third, third fourth. Yeah. Third or fourth. Yeah. Oh man, that he video of him catching that nine pounder was freaking awesome. I thought he was about to get pulled in after he set that hook. And when it pulls, oh, it, I'm yeah. like, oh no. <laughs> yeah. But seriously, big thank you to Jake for joining us tonight. That was a really good pre-spawn show. And uh I'm excited to watch him at Chick because one, just I love Chickamauga. That's my favorite place in the world. The yeah, so <laughs> we still got Jake in the queue. We have Jim Johnson who uh, tunes into our fantasy fishing shows, and every time he picks someone, apparently they do bad. He said he will not pick you, Jake. So you're in yeah. the clear. I so, think he picked Christy at Santee Cooper, and he finished like ninety. Oh, yeah, so that's just proof. <laughs> <of putting that. laughs> if I remember correctly, you know what's so like, cool geez. though about that? Like watching Christy on day one, where he basically just openly said, I don't care where I finish anymore. I've qualified yeah. for next year's classic. I'm going to fish how I want. If I suck, I don't care. I just won 300 yeah. grand. And I was like, yeah. what a baller move. Like, he just yeah. doesn't I, I think, I think his direct quote was like, the good news is this is how I'm fishing. The bad news is I don't know if I'm going to catch him. How I'm, fishing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, jeez. I just thought, but dude, you know how, amazing that has to feel mentally to go into a tournament knowing you've already made the classic you got yeah. 300 grand check and you can go fish how you want and not worry about you know making the classic weight yeah, off your shoulders dude that mental that makes you so dangerous i feel like free that's that's awesome though but again thank you big thank you to jake and uh folks we hope to see you guys later this week we got an episode coming out this friday with tristan mccormick we're getting tristan That'll on the be a show fun one. Be a good one um we're gonna see if he's picked up any shampoo sponsorships since the classic uh th that seemed to be the mercer joke ongoing so i'll, I'll stop head and shoulders but, yeah, head right. shoulders, um, <laughs> but uh i am dude i'm intrigued very intrigued to see how this week is going to go for major league fishing's red crest uh for folks that might have yeah. tuned in that didn't see the introduction we did have a youtube mishap but it seems like we fixed it quick uh i am down in tulsa oklahoma for major league fishing's red crest and be their first expo so it'll be very intriguing to see how that event goes and do you know they're helicoptering their anglers in from the lake to the expo or for, to the stage why. they're just like, got a helicopter one at a time yeah it's like you know the stage where they talk about how their day goes and yeah. shout out sponsors and stuff they're gonna helicopter them interesting where do they put their boats seems like a lot of money too hey they must be doing pretty good yeah hey in fact in fact Today, my Uber driver asked me what I was in town for, uh, and I told him I'm here working for Major League Fishing Redcrest. He goes, dude, I watch Major League Fishing all the time. So, sounds like yeah. there's some Oklahoma MLF yeah. fans here. So, yeah. well, I mean, he, There's some big-name guys from Oklahoma fishing that tournament, so like maybe some favorites that you have to look at will be like an Edwin Evers, James Elam, who is very good on Grand Lake. That is he fishing Redcrest? I think I he is. I don't think Elam's in Redcrest. Oh, I'm I thought I it's saw it's only that 41 anglers. Hmm. I don't think Elam is in Redcrest because I think the only Oklahoma guy in it was Evers. Oh man. But I know there's some Texans in it, so Grand Lake. But I mean Grand Lake for a lot of guys is I mean, it's they've all been very familiar with it. Uh, but it's going to be intriguing because I got out of the airport and it was like it's 40, it was 46 and raining. So it was not 
a warm practice for those guys. But it's supposed to be warm this week. It's going to be mid-60s until, I think, Friday. Friday through Sunday is going to be, like, high 80s. He is the favorite. He He's fishing it. He is in Red Crest. So, yeah, so then you have two Oklahomans in it. Yeah. But, I mean, I'd, any of these guys, though, I mean, oh. you go down that list, and it's, like, it's pre-spawn here. I mean, they're going to catch them. I agree. I It's going to be – Hey, there we go. I mean, like all the classics, Bassmaster classics, I remember from Grand. It's always like a crankbait, a big spinnerbait, or a jig on like riprap or a jerkbait. But I don't know what the water temp is going to be quite, quite be like. But 47 degrees at night that sets up for a pre spawn smash fest. And if there's any dinge in that water, and as Jake said earlier, like. 40s and warming to 60 they're gonna knock their lights off i have a feeling it's gonna be a fun event to watch yeah dude it's i think there's some big fish that are gonna get caught especially when it comes so we got luke lovrick in here he said water temp is is that water temp luke 48 to 55 degrees because that seems pretty cold for oklahoma right now 48 to 55. Maybe he lives there. Yeah. Luke's Luke's been out here riding around with Kevin Van Dam. He's been, uh, yeah, he's been spoiled down here running with the the king. But uh, yeah, lucky him. 40 degrees. Holy crap. That's cold for Oklahoma right now. I mean, maybe I'm missing something, but I feel like that's, dang, that's water temp. They are going to smash them if it's 48 to 55 degrees and warming with muddy water because of the rain they just got and rain still. Mm. Mm. Dude, this weekend's gonna be high eighties, like Friday to Sunday. Yeah. And if it's smoke them, so you if you can make it to this weekend, I feel like it's anybody's game. Yeah, I'm intrigued. I, I mean, I like watching all fishing that's broadcasted just to learn anything I can. But uh, an event that shapes up like this, just like kind of like how Hartwell was, like I think it's gonna be fun as hell. Bring it on! Yeah. I can't I can't wait to watch. So it'll be interesting. Yeah. Either way, thank you again to Mr. Jake Whitaker for yep. joining us tonight. I'm going to tune off here. Uh, I need to get some food. Uh, but Andy, looking forward to our episode, Mr. Tristan McCormick, in a few days. Yeah, I'm, I am looking forward to that as well. Maybe that could be a hot question for him if he did get a hair shampoo sponsor. I'm sure he was asked 300 times already. I'm sure. I'm sure. But it would be funny anyways. So. Right. Yeah. All right, folks. We appreciate you guys tuning in. We'll see you guys on Friday. Well, that was an awesome show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you can and your app allows it, please leave us a rating and review. It really helps us get seen more, which allows us to access more time and more variables to be able to bring to the show to make it better for you guys. So hope you enjoyed it, and if you did and you liked some of the things we talked about in this episode and want to check out our show partners, all of that is in every single show description. You can click down there. It's got all of our discount codes, all of our links to our show partners where you guys can go and support the people that support this show and help us make this show happen. And, of course, this show does not happen without you guys. You guys know we appreciate you. You're the Sears Sanger fam. You're the reason we're here. Appreciate y'all, and we'll see y'all on the next one.